Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And good morning. Welcome. Dirt Radio. That's who we are, Friends of the Earth. And you can check us out at foe.org.au. I'm John Langer. Environmental Justice Australia call themselves nature's legal team. They use their expert knowledge and practical understanding of the legal system to protect nature and defend the rights of communities to have health, a healthy environment. They advise and do legal work for the environment movement. And this is where they've got some grave concerns at the moment. Brendan Sides heads up the team of environment, Environmental Justice Australia, and he's with us at Dirt Radio this morning to fill us in. Good morning. Morning, John. The government's been sending some letters to conservation and environment groups registered as eligible for tax-deductible donations, and that, of course, includes Friends of the Earth. And apparently they do this every year, but this time around the letters have been different in a rather disturbing way. Could you tell us a little bit about why? So what's happened, as you've indicated, John, is that the... uh uh, Australian government has recently sent those letters, which come annually, requesting information for this uh, process called the Annual Statistical Return for Organisations on the Register of Environmental Organisations. Um, that's a process that's part of uh, the um, uh, maintenance of what's called deductible gift recipient status for environmental organisations like ours. That is the ability to receive tax-deductible gifts. What's different this year is that the statistical return has included a question about uh, the proportion of um, uh, the organisation's activities devoted to what, what the government calls on-the-ground remediation, environmental remediation works. Now, uh, that sounds relatively benign, but to understand why that's so deeply concerning, you need to know a little bit more about the, the history behind it and the context here. Um, this story can get quite complicated quite quickly, but mm. uh, basically this is a, um, a part of a, a broader move to curtail the advocacy activities of organisations like ours and others in the environment movement um, and in this particular case by uh, picking up and developing this suggestion that organisations that have that deductible gift recipient status, the ability to receive tax deductible donations, uh, have to uh, comply with a mandatory requirement to devote a certain proportion um, of those funds to that on the ground environmental mm. remediation. And what 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 you basically mean by environmental remediation and so on is, as I understand it, there are things like uh, planting trees, uh, getting rid of rubbish, and so, stuff like that. Is is that the sort of focus that the, this is is on? Uh, as far as we understand it, yes. Although you know precisely what on the ground environmental remediation means is, is pretty unclear, and that's a problem in itself in terms of um, you know the. the, the foreshadowed intention to implement this sort of policy. Uh, but uh, what it's clearly intended to do is to exclude uh, advocacy-related activities. Um, so the sort of work that we might do, for instance, 
um, seeking to improve the implementation of, environment, of environmental laws or uh, mm. work with uh, partners in the environment movement to develop new and better laws, for instance. Now, look, the other thing that I'm aware of is this is not the first time this kind of, a, a, let's call it an attack, has been mounted. Uh, there was a parliamentary inquiry about two years ago that focused on the same issues, that, as you've said, in, issues to do with advocacy, uh, environment groups getting involved in, in various campaigns. Uh, they want to essentially, as I understand it, want to cut back or completely eliminate this this possibility. W- why do you think these attacks have continued? Uh, well, you're correct for a start. This is part of an ongoing agenda to try and curtail the activities of environment groups, particularly when it comes to environmental advocacy. Uh, there was that House of Representatives inquiry a couple of years ago culminating in a report in April 2016 Uh um, there is uh, the um, process that we talked about just um, a moment ago in terms of the requests for statistical information that have been sent out this year in a different form. There's also, uh, parallel to that, a, um, a, a process that the Australian Government, through the Treasury, is um, conducting at the moment, inviting submissions to a consultation paper that suggests some of these sorts of limitations as well. So there are a number of moves afoot. I, I mean, I think it's it's fairly clearly uh, an attempt to uh, curtail and restrict uh, the uh, effective political advocacy activities or advocacy activities generally of, of, of environment organisations um, like ours, like Friends of the Earth and so forth. There's no other way really to um, uh, analyse it. Uh, you know, from our point of view, from my point of view, there's um, no problem at all with environmental remediation works and so forth, and there are many people and organisations in the environment movement that do wonderful work in that area. Um, but it's not our reason for being, um, and it's also uh, not um, uh, the entirety or the only valuable work that needs to happen around environmental protection. Um, and I think that's a, a particularly concerning thing here. I mean, a, a lot of the great on-the-ground work that happens happens because of uh, advocacy that in the lead-up to um, changes in policy, changing in changes in funding arrangements, changes in laws and so forth. Mm, mm. Uh, and without that sort of essential preliminary sort of work, you don't even get the foundations in place for effective on-the-ground environmental remediation in the yeah. first place. It's, it's this kind, of, kind of a circular thing in, in a sense. What you're saying is that the, the on-the-ground work doesn't actually happen unless the advocacy takes place. The other thing that you've, you've suggested, and I think many people have suggested, is that some of, most, some of the most important advocacy work that's taken place in Australia has resulted in huge gains in terms of uh, um, things like, well, the Barrier Reef um, and so on. Can you talk, talk a bit about that? Oh, that's absolutely correct. I mean, look at some of the sort of signature uh, gains in environmental protection over the last 30 or 40 years, things like protecting the Great Barrier Reef or wilderness areas in Tasmania and so forth. They're the culmination of uh, advocacy campaigns. Um, so in terms of a broad public debate around uh, what we as a as a society, as a country, value in our environment and how we want to go about protecting it. Advocacy has been critical to all that. At a, at a much smaller and local scale, for instance, another example is that we've worked um, over the last couple of years to uh, encourage the Victorian government to fulfil an election commitment to introduce a Yarra River Protection Act that would create a new framework for planning and funding of uh, restoration and protection works along the Yarra River. Uh, that's in Parliament at the moment. It's, I think a, a, a great piece of legislation, mm-hmm. a, a particular example of advocacy work that, that we're really proud of. 
uh, that will create the foundation for um, uh, environmental remediation and protection works up and down the Yarra River, uh, both in terms of the planning framework but hopefully also funding as well. Um, we're not going to do that work. That's not our expertise. There are many people out in the community who are really good at that and great organisations that your listeners probably already support mm, uh, who do mm. that sort of work on the ground. Uh, but the critical point is that without getting those new legislative frameworks in place, you don't even have the foundation for doing that effective on-the-ground work in the first place. Just to let you know, Brendan, we have uh, on Dirt Radio, we've talked to the uh, Yarra River Keeper. I'm sure you've uh, d- discussed things and, and been in contact with Definitely. him yes. quite quite a we lot. We work closely and with Andrew, the Yarra ab- River Keeper, on that particular absolutely. Project. He's he's project. been on the yep he's been on the show several times actually. It's it's been terrific talking to him. Look, the other thing I want to maybe a closing comment, and and this is something that's really important in, in terms of what you've written. The bigger question I, I think you're asking people to consider is the relationship between charitable and public interest causes and the workings of democracy. Yes. So there's a couple of ways you can analyse that. And firstly, the High Court in their analysis of the uh, compatibility of advocacy activities with charitable status has been very clear that it plays a really important role um, in our democratic system under our constitution. Um, so we have that from the highest legal authority in the land, I suppose. But uh, the other, I think, interesting point here is that although the, the focus is on environment groups and their activities, what you need to remember and understand is that behind every environment group uh, and their activities are, are um, supporters, volunteers, uh, members and financial supporters. And, and what's really under attack here is the uh, opportunity for those financial supporters of environment groups uh, to support those groups from their pre-tax income. Uh, in uh, any proposal to curtail the way that uh, organisations like ours and many others in the environment movement can use those tax-deductible donations is effectively uh, a challenge to ordinary citizens, to people in the community who choose to spend their dollars in that fashion Mm. and to take advantage of the incentive that's there in terms of being able to um, claim a tax deduction for that. So analysing in those terms, you can fairly clearly see that it's a, a direct attack on our democratic system and the ability of people to support the causes that they're most interested in, to organise themselves into groups like environment groups um, to uh, advance mm. those causes. Mm-hmm. I think these um, are... Particularly all... worrying, sorry to interrupt, but it's particularly no, worrying too that when you see that on the other side of the equation, uh, tax deductibility for things like you know, possibly uh, mining company activities to try and water down or avoid the imposition of new regulations that might... Um, uh, better protect the environment um, are quite likely to be tax deductible business expenses for mm. those for those businesses so there's a real imbalance here I think um, and something that you know as I said when you analyze it in these terms really makes it quite clear that this is a, a pretty fundamental attack on democratic participation very important things that you're talking about and in terms of environmental justice Australia what would you be suggesting people listening can they do anything at this point? I know there's an inquiry and there's being submissions being made. Uh, are you are are you doing something specific? And would you recommend people listening to do something? Sure. So there's some information on our website. Um, people be very welcome to um, have a look at that, and we'll include some links to uh, the uh, Australian government website with the current uh, opportunity to make submissions to this uh, discussion paper. Those submissions are due by this Friday. Uh, Friends of the Earth has some really interesting and useful material that they've been circulating to their members and to the community as well. So 
if you haven't already seen that and you're interested in making a submission, there's some great guidance there from Friends of the Earth. Um, uh, I think also, I mean, uh, call up your environmental organisation who you're already involved in and see what they're doing in this area and how you might support them. If you're already a member of it and supporter of an environmental organisation, then maybe now's the time as well. Um, as I've described, I think there's a, a really a concerted attacker driven by uh, some of the more conservative elements in the government, but particularly by the mining industry to undermine all our rights as citizens to join together and support the causes that we're most interested in. And I think everyone should be concerned about that. And one of the most immediate and practical things you can do, I guess, is to, is to get involved either volunteering or as a financial supporter with the many great environmental organisations that are out there, um, including those uh, particularly that, that do the invaluable advocacy sort of work that we've been talking about. Thanks so much for being on Dirt Radio, Brendan. It's been great talking to you and also all the advice you've been uh, giving people at the end of our discussion as well. It's a pleasure. Thanks for your time and thanks for your interest in this important issue. Thanks, Brendan. And that's Brendan Sides. He heads up the team at Environment Justice Australia. And as you've heard, it's not too late to make a submission to the current inquiry into the tax-deductible status of environment groups in Australia. And indeed, we are under attack. And it's not just foe. It's groups like Greenpeace, Lock the Gate, many, many other, a bunch of others, and uh, probably any environment group that you've joined in a rally with or in a demonstration with are probably in the gun they're all under threat. So go to, as Brendan said, go to Environment Justice Australia's website. And, of course, you can go to the FO website as well. It's fo.org.au backslash here we go again. And there's advice about how you can make a submission. The submissions are due this Friday. So still got a few days left. Hi, I'm Stuart. Hi, I'm Marita. We are the Orb Weavers, and you're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital radio. And streaming at 3cr.org.au. The 7th Annual Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair is on Saturday, August the 12th from 10am to 6pm. The Book Fair showcases more than 40 stalls and a program of workshops. It's a great opportunity to be introduced to new ideas, to challenge your thinking and to meet with like-minded folk. It's free and we also provide free childcare. At the Brunswick Town Hall on Saturday, August the 12th from 10am till 6pm. Find out more at www.amelbournebookfair.org or find us on Facebook, the Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair. The Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair is a 3CR supporter. You're with Dirt Radio, and we're back. Now, there's one advocacy group I'm sure the Conservatives in the current government and the coal and fossil fuel lobby would enjoy stripping away their tax-deductible status, and that's market forces. Their philosophy is pretty straightforward. The banks, the superannuation funds, and the governments have custody of our money and should be using that money to protect and not damage our environment. 
Jack Bertolis is the research coordinator at Market Forces, and he's with Dirt Radio to give us a bit of an update on their current work. You've been doing a survey of Australia's four big banks and their lending practices to the coal lobby, and you've come up with some very interesting results. That's right. So what we've, what we've found is that, um, you know, look, banks, uh, everyone's got a bank, and everyone probably wishes they, they didn't have one. They're, uh, they're a necessary part of life for, for many of us. In particular, uh, we, we focus on the big four Australian banks in our, in our latest bit of research. So that's ANZ, Combank, NAB, and Westpac. And in late 2015, they told everyone that they support the goal of keeping global warming to below catastrophic levels, below two degrees, which is uh, lovely of them. Um, and look, in- encouragingly, uh, since that point in time, they haven't directly financed a single new coal project, which is a really good thing to see. We're, we're really chuffed about that. Uh, mind you, they know that renewable energy is the next big thing. Uh, so, you know, they're not going to be left funding the fax machine when we all have mobile phones. Um, but as you, as you sort of alluded to, they're, they're still pouring billions uh, into fossil fuels and, and fossil fuel projects. So there's, there's still a lot to be done. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not, that's not in line with their, their, two, their support for two degrees. Uh, so as, um, as we do, we, we provide a platform for people to, to tell the custodians of their money to, um, to shift out of fossil fuels. What you, what you found, uh, as I understand it, uh, in market forces, as you said, they, they've reduced the funding to coal, or they're not funding coal anymore. But the kicker is they've they are lending, still lend, doing a lot of lending to other forms of fossil fuel in Australia and overseas. That's right. So on the on the point of coal, they haven't. So the the uh, the big finding was that they haven't expanded the coal industry. So they haven't funded a they haven't funded a, a new coal project. So they're still providing funding to coal companies who seek to expand the, the fossil fuel industry. But in terms of a specific project which expands the coal industry, we haven't seen anything. Um, yeah, in terms of Mm-mm. other fossil fuels, uh, such as gas, um, they are actually lending to new gas projects. And we're seeing that in particular uh, in countries like uh, America, in the US, and we're also seeing it in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Something else I wanted to uh, something inter- also interesting that I, I was when I was reading through some of the material from Market Forces. You've been doing some campaign work around major insurance companies in Australia. Can you tell us a bit about that? Absolutely. Well, insurance is uh, about as exciting as queuing at the post office for most of us. Um, but look, until that's until your kitchen floods and uh, all of a sudden everyone's really interested. <laughs> but, no, look, insurance companies actually play a really important role in climate change. Um, they insure fossil fuel projects. You know, you're not going to drive a car without insurance. Well, no, well you're not going to build a coal mine without insurance either. Um, and they're, they're really important. Uh, and, look, the other aspect to that, of course, is that 
the money that they get in from premiums actually invest that money in fossil fuel companies. Mm. Uh, so what we're facilitating customers of Australia's major general insurers, so that's IAG, QBE, and Suncorp, and those are the ones most at risk of insuring fossil fuel projects. We're asking them to rule out insuring, pro insuring projects that expand the fossil fuel industry, to stop investing premiums in fossil fuels, and instead direct it to renewables, and to take a leading role in the public debate on climate change. That's interesting. You say it's it's it is a kind of strange uh, circle of circumstances. The insurance companies end up paying out money for disasters that occur as a result of climate change, and yet they're putting their money into, let's say, the factors that actually cause climate change. Absolutely right. Nail on the head there, John. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Um, look, we haven't, we've got, you know, I really would like to be able to speak to you a little bit longer, but we're running out a little bit out of time. But I wanted to ask you another question because uh, market forces is across a whole range of things. And I wanted to ask, what is the Adani list? Sure. So the Adani list is a, is a list of all the companies which we think may be involved in the Adani mine. And that's based on, um, some sort of evidence that we've seen that they uh, of their involvement. So, for example, uh, so, so uh, QBE, we know that they insure Adani's businesses in India and some of the company's cargo ships. Now, that information came out of us going to QBE's annual general meeting and asking the question directly. Um, and... And that's the type of information that, that we present there. So we, uh, as I said, we, we sort of provide a platform for people to, um, to go to the site, check out the Adani list, and then send a message to either the individual companies or you can just send a message to all of them and say, look, um, we would rather that you, you not be involved. The uh, the engineering company you you particularly you've you've targeted an engineering company that apparently is just about to, I suppose, put itself forward to design the the railway um, connection between the mine and the port, and on their website they claim to be an advocate of sustainability, and you've you've sort of exposed them in a sense. Tell us a, a little bit about that, just very briefly. Yeah, absolutely. So. You're right. So this company is called ACOM. They're a global engineering firm based in the United States. They've got many offices here in Australia as well. They have actually signed a contract with Adani uh, to design, as you said, the rail line between the Carmichael coal mine and the Abbotsport export terminal. And uh, they, they do a lot of work. Uh, in the sustainability and environmental areas. So uh, one of the projects, for example, they, they've done is with the Australian Defence Force, working on, um, would you believe it, uh, sea level rise. Mm. Mm. And uh, so, what, yeah, so what we've um, asked people to do is to, to reach out to ACOM and um, or what we're facilitating is people reaching out to ACOM and 
and saying this is this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just tell you, I, I've done that myself. On your website, you've got a uh, a place where you can write a letter to them and and go in fact go onto their Facebook page and various other sources and tell them that. Uh, there is a, a deep contradiction in, in what they're putting out publicly and what they're doing in their practice. Absolutely. Yeah, well, good on you. That's, that's what it's all about. Well, look, uh, Jack, we're going to have to leave it there, but uh, just to let people know that you do have a website, tell us what the website is and uh, just give us those details. Sure. So it's marketforces.org.au and you'll find all of the, the campaigns that, that we spoke about there. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on Dirt Radio this morning, Jack, and all the best for your work. Pleasure, John, and have a great day. That's Jack Bertolis, and he's the research coordinator at Marcus Forces. And as you heard, their website is marketforces.org.au. Lots of stuff on there. We've got to get out of here. It's Dirt Radio. I'm John Langer, and we'll be back next week.